listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. And you guys can have a seat. Yeah, you can give it up for the Lord. Go ahead, that's good. Got a little bit of clapping, that's good. Abram, you killed it, man. It's great to have you on the team with us. Great job, man. Thanks for joining us. Um, well, guys, um, my, my name is Cole Rhodes. If I haven't met you yet, I'm our college pastor here. Uh, would love to meet you sometime tonight if I haven't already. We're diving into week two of our series, kind of tackling topics of mental health, and it's called Get Out of Your Head. Last, last week, we talked about anxiety, and this week, we're going to talk about depression. And the way I want to frame this first is just very simple. Uh, I don't want to do anything extravagant or, or crazy as we're talking about this. I want to be as real and down to earth as possible. And so as we begin this talk, as we begin talking about depression, it's a really good thing to define it. Um, there's lots of different definitions. I like to get definitions from sources much smarter than I am. And, and so that's not hard to do, by the way. But the definition of depressing, depression is this. It's a, it's a feeling of, of deep sadness or hopelessness that lasts for extended periods of time. It's that sort, sort of thing that lingers for more than two weeks, for to say. It's three weeks. It's been months. It's maybe even been, been years or, or long seasons of, of time. Uh, I am no stranger to d- depression um, myself. The Baker Encyclopedia of Psychology and Counseling calls depression the common cold of mental illness. What do they mean by that? They mean as, as likely as you are to get the common cold, you're probably likely to experience some form of depression. So this could be clinical, definitely uh, there's some pathological depression, the need for a psychotropic medicine and all those things. There's also just purely circumstantial There's depression that you're in because of your own sin. There's depression you're in because of others. And there's just a mixture of all those things, just like anxiety. And sometimes it's just living in a fallen, broken world. And so, again, this is a topic that we're talking about because everyone is going to experience this. 22% of college students right now would report being severely depressed at some point during their time in college. And what's interesting about that, another maybe plea for just personally my pastoral heart to speak into this, is that stats say 75% of those students are not willing for various reasons to reach out for help. Maybe they're scared, maybe they're ashamed, maybe they're fearful. And so how could we create a safe space where we could talk about this, maybe to let God and his words speak to that, to to pose some promises from God's words for those that experience that, or maybe even help you open that door tonight just a little bit to see, man, maybe this is something that I need to get further help on. Any of those things would be great. And because we're not seeking help, we don't want to go to the extremes, but also it's a very helpful safeguard because Things like this, mental illness, sometimes when it gets too far, when it gets too deep and you're not getting help, it leads to things like suicide. And it's, and it's no wonder that that's the second leading cause of, of death for college students, second only to alcohol-related deaths. It used to be third. It's, it's, it's on the rise. And so with the fact that, of course, and I use the term relevant, I, I don't mean that we're trying to be relevant. I mean... This is something that is going to be 
relevant to you in your life, maybe already in the past or certainly in the future, but it's not only because of that. Again, just like with our talk about anxiety last week, it's because we genuinely love you. We genuinely care about you. We have seen a pandemic called COVID, but we've also seen a pandemic of mental illness. And it is probably the best place that we could look for for answers, I think, to this, not the only, but probably the best place for answers to hopelessness and and being broken and being a word called downtrodden. You know what downtrodden means? Just totally just without any sense of joy or purpose in life. I think it's the church. If we're gonna, I think we should be the one heralding those things. Again, not the only answers, but really good ones. I think that our God create, I know that our God created happiness, amen? Our God created joy. So what that means, also, since our God has been from the beginning, do you know that our God witnessed the first time depression entered the world? Do you know that our God witnessed the first depressed person ever? Isn't that crazy to think about? He's been seeing it for a long time. And so I know that God has a lot to say about this subject. I said that I'm no stranger to depression. And and what I meant by that is in terms of the posture that I want to have with you tonight, I might as well be preaching from one of those chairs. Y'all know what I mean? I, I, I mean that I'm not talking at you. We're, we're talking about this with you. I also mean that I'm no stranger to depression in that even right now, right now, uh, November 2021, feeling some deep discouragement. Again, I've had seasons where they go they ebb and flow. And so what that means is once again, I've had to look back at what God has taught me through this and ask what actually has held up and what has proven to be not helpful. And so when I say to you, I'm no stranger to depression, that depression, I don't really like being my friend. I don't so much like him or her or whatever pronoun it wants. It's not a good thing, right? What I'm gonna present to you tonight I, is actually something that I believe, right? It's not me writing on a board like, hmm, this should be helpful. Well, let's just throw it out here and see if it works. No, what we're gonna present tonight, I believe, is truly helpful. And so in Philippians chapter four, verse 11, it presents to us a truth about depression. Paul says this. By the way, we're gonna be in lots of scripture passages. Don't stress too much about flipping to all of them. Follow along. If you're new to reading the Bible, there's a really helpful thing. I know a lot of us assume Bible reading, but you turn in that front, there's like a really helpful like table of contents. It's usually page-oriented. can tell you where that book is. Philippians is in the New Testament. We're gonna be mostly, we're gonna be there and in a book called the Psalms. It's right in the middle of the Bible. And so Philippians chapter four, the apostle Paul reveals to us a truth about depression, and it's this. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. He, he basically means uh, in the seasons of life that are in the valley, in the season of life that are in the mountaintop, I've learned in 
in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And when you hear that in context, it immediately becomes clear that this is not a verse to pray before a football game, isn't it? This is a verse about being in the pits and still being content with who you are in Christ. And Paul is revealing a truth about depression, which is really a truth about joy, and it's this behind us. Joy is not ultimately dependent upon our depressing circumstances. Now that's a truth. It is, a, it is the dagger, so to speak, uh, to depression. Depression does not want us to say that. It wants us to believe that it could control and manipulate us and leave us without joy. But we can be clinically depressed. We can be circumstantially depressed. We can have all sorts of negative circumstances. But what Paul is teaching us as someone who has experienced worse circumstances than you and I probably will ever, hopefully, is he's saying that does not have to lead to an hour, day, or season of our life without joy. Through the Lord's strength, you can be like my little sister Jamie, who a couple years ago was diagnosed with bipolar 2 and such a struggle, such a a battle for her, but seeing glimpses of God's joy pour forth through her life and just being amazed and saying, man, the the God who created joy through the Apostle Paul, he's, he's right. You can learn how to be content. You can learn how to not be driven by your circumstances. But here's what stands in our way tonight, and, and that is what we all struggle with. You've heard that verse. It's unbelief, isn't it? It's, it's not really believing that. And I want you to know that's okay because I've been there. I sometimes don't believe that my circumstances don't have to dictate my joy, right? You, you don't feed this dude for a day like my circumstances are going to be driving some negative emotions, right? And so what we need to do is we need to pray the prayer of the centurion when Jesus was about to heal his daughter. It was daughter, right? I think I'm getting that story right. And he says, I, I believe you can do it, but help me in my unbelief. God, I have a lot of faith in you, but I'm lacking here. Would you help me in my unbelief? So just by raising hands, can y'all join me in that prayer tonight? Say, God, help me in my unbelief. Like, give me faith. Teach me something tonight. Amen. Thank you for that. So the way that we do this is... No, I'm not promising tonight that tonight's sermon, because I'm not prideful and and arrogant, at least not as much as I used to be. I'm getting better and better day by day. I'm not going to say that your sermon, this sermon is going to cure your depression. I'm not saying it's going to take it away. But what I am saying is that God's ultimate purpose right here and right now is not to change all of your circumstances of a lost and fallen world, but to teach you how to live in it, to teach you how to thrive, to teach you how to endure and find joy, even in what may be your darkest hour, past, present, or future. Y'all ready? Let's go there in scripture. These are promises I want you to hold on to, and we're gonna be going rather quickly through these, so don't stress out too much. The first promise for the depressed, for those who are struggling with sadness and grief, is in Psalm chapter 34, verse 18. And it says this, It says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. The first promise I want you to to cling to and know it's going to be behind me on the screen is that your depression is an opportunity to be close with God. I'm not saying he takes it away. What I'm saying is that in your brokenheartedness, your temptation is to feel that God is far from you. In your sadness, your temptation is to think, well, God must be distant from me. That's what I'm feeling 
the promise of Psalm 34, 18, friends, is something beautiful, is it not? That the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And those who are crushed in spirit, totally just broken over a relationship, over not getting into, to go study your, your masters. You fill in the blank. He's near. And so that's the first promise. Your depression is an opportunity to be, to, to be close with God, to sense the nearness of God. The next promise is in Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 2. It says this. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 2. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. And so the second promise is that God hears the prayers of the, of the depressed. I want you to go back and see that it says that he's waiting patiently for the Lord. Modern context, it looks like even though it's hard day by day, coming into God's word, reading it, that's how we listen to him, praying to him, having a sense of coming to him even when we don't feel like it. And then knowing that God inclines himself to us and he actually hears you. So the first promise that we fail to, to realize is that we think he's not close to us, he's far away, but that's not true, he's near. And the second is this, we think he doesn't hear us, right? Isn't that, don't you think that? Like, I guess God isn't hearing me. He's not listening to me. That's why these things are happening. But friends, he does hear you. And here's what's beautiful. Verse two has a twofold application. It says, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. He set my feet upon a rock. He makes my steps secure. None of you talked like that today, but let's unpack this a little bit. The twofold application of this is how many times, even while on this earth, have you not been delivered out of a deep sadness and been restored to at least some form of joy and happiness, right? It didn't always stay terrible, right? You felt some sense of deliverance. And that, I think, best happens in the context of a relationship with God. And that's what he's saying circumstantially. Uh, I believe the psalmist was David in Psalm 40. He was delivered from this current difficulty circumstantially but hear this this is even better the second form application as we look at the words that he set my feet upon a rock you know another um, word picture for Jesus is calling him a rock we call him the rock of our salvation and what Psalm 40 ultimately is fulfilled by is the rock called Jesus he is our foundation of which our whole life is placed upon so say with me when our, seat, when, our, see, when our feet are set upon the rock, when our foundation is in Christ, what that does mean, friends, is that the second fold application to that is eternally, forever, one day, we will be guaranteed that we will never have to be depressed ever again. Amen? We will never fear, feel sadness ever again. So as you cling to the promise that God hears the prayer of the depressed, don't forget to look at verse two and though generally speaking, the worst doesn't stay the worst. <laughs> Thanks be to God and his mercy. But for sure and finally forever, verse two will for sure be true for everyone in Christ. The third promise is in Psalm 23, verse four. Colin thankfully read it earlier. Psalm 23, verse four. It says this. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, 
They comfort me. So the first promise is we need to realize that God is near because we think he's far away when we're going through difficulty. When we feel lonely and depressed, we, we feel isolated. We don't think that he hears us, so we need to know that God does hear the prayers of the depressed. And then we need to know that God is walking with us in our valley of depression. That's the third promise. The reason we need to hear that is because you may be convinced that mm, maybe he is near, maybe he hears me, but he's sure not really helping me step by step along the way. There's not practical application. He's not with me. And as I go back to class, as I try to talk to this person again, as I go back into this situation, but he is, that's the beauty and complexity of how our sadness and depression works is that if we believe that lie and forsake this promise, we actually miss the beauty of walking with our savior in the valley. And that's some of the sweetest walks you'll ever go on. You name the best walk you've ever gone on. Some of the sweetest walks you'll have with are in the walks of deepest need with Christ in your darkest times. Notice it says the valley of the shadow of death. Some of you are like, I know what that means. I would have rather died than continue to live. I've been at points like that. There are people that have had suicidal thoughts because they were like, yeah, this is so, this is so bad, like, I would just rather go ahead and end this now to continue to endure this. This is the Bible telling you it understands the feeling of your circumstances being so difficult, your mental health being so oppressive, your just natural tendency, maybe the way you're wired genetically to just be more inclined to depression, you fill in the blank. It understands, man, it can feel like death. <laughs> it can feel like evil and the effects of a fallen sinful world have had their day with you but it says that he walks with you through the valley and comforts you. So even when it's hard to believe, friends, he's near you, he hears you, and he's walking with you in the valley. The fourth promise is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses eight through 10. Paul says this in verse eight. He's dealing with something he's calling a thorn in his flesh. It's preventing him from doing what he thinks he should be able to do. It's something that's not going away. This difficulty in the thorn of the flesh, it could be blindness that he's dealing with. It, it could just be, honestly, um, sadness and despair and depression from how many people left his ministry and forsook him. If we were counting Paul's numbers at the end of his ministry, he would be considered by American standards not a successful ministry. He, he died with many people having left him. There's so many things he could be talking about, but we're, we're hearing from a man who's experienced deep despair, and here's what he says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Whatever that thorn is that's been just, ugh, won't get away. Maybe, for your, maybe your thorn is depression. Maybe your thorn is anxiety. Maybe your thorn is mental illness. I don't know. But, but he said to me, this is God, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, so that's God talking to Paul. Pretty cool. Got to have a conversation with God. Therefore, this is Paul, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then, I, will, I am content with weaknesses and insults and hardships persecutions, being mistreated for his faith, calamities, various forms of difficulties and sicknesses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
The fourth promise is this. Your depression is not stronger than the strength of God. Amen. See you, Haley. I have, I have never probably felt more aware of opportunities for growth, i.e. weaknesses in my life and ministry than I have been in the past couple of months. And the reason is that is I've been pursuing that and asking, I want to grow, I want to learn, I want this ministry to get better, I want to become better at leading, I want to become better at preaching the word of God and never before in my life have been exposed to facing head on weakness. <laughs> weakness. You may be like, you're a big looking guy. No, weakness, <laughs> insecurity, battling that. And let me tell you something. Even though that's true, my weakness and your weakness, my sadness, your sadness, my discouragement, your discouragement is an opportunity for God to demonstrate how powerful he is. Satan doesn't get the opportunity. It is not his day. So as he tries to take that from you, as he tries to, to put his foot on you and say, I told you God's abandoned you. No, he does not even get to have your weaknesses. He doesn't even get to have those. He's such a loser, guys. Satan is a loser. He can't even win when we're losing because Christ wins when we're losing. Isn't that awesome? Jonathan Edwards once said, self-denial destroys the very root and foundation of sorrow. What that means is that when you finally are at the end of yourself, what you do is, is you discover your depression is not a hindrance for God to, to be using you. Here's what's crazy, what's amazing. Some of you that battle with depression, it actually may be something, any form of mental illness, that may be something that God could use to use you even more. Because what you've done is you finally cried out, God, I'm weak. I need you. And in that moment, listen, this is beautiful if you hear anything tonight. In the moment of that type of confession, when you, what you've just done is invited the strength of God to come into your life. That's what you've done. Friends, I know how complicated this issue is. And I know what I don't know about how complicated this issue is. But in the words of Paul, <clears throat> when I'm weak, I'm strong. It's an opportunity for God to prove who he is, that he's God. <clears throat> Ask the band to come up. We're gonna be in Philippians chapter four, verse six. We're gonna revisit this. So thankful for the Lord bringing me back to this because I, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't want you to miss this. <clears throat> Last week I shared this in my story. You read this in your connect groups. <clears throat> Philippians four, verse six says this. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse seven says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and what? Minds in Christ Jesus, amen. So as I was studying this and thinking about all that this means, what I realized is that you know, the, the guy who wrote this is Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. He also wrote 2 Corinthians 12. And so I think why Paul can pray with thanksgiving in his anxiety is the same reason that he can pray with thanksgiving in whatever thorn he had in his flesh. He can pray with thanksgiving just like you and me when depression or discouragement comes. And it's because he knows and he's seen in a lifetime of the chasm between where he is and where he wants to be. He's seen the chasm between what he wished would have happened and what happened. And he knows that that is an opportunity to pray thankfully, God, I'm so excited and thankful for you to fill that chasm with your glory and show me once again that you are God. That is such a hard posture to have but it doesn't mean that it's not true, right? It's so hard to believe that. And so the last thing that I promise I want you to see is that depression is greatly informed by a grateful heart. It's a promise and an application. The reason I say this is because you could read, do not be depressed about anything. Do not be overly burdened by anything. Do not let yourself become overly discouraged by anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the joy of God and the comfort of God and the overwhelming ability for God to show up in that circumstance will surpass your understanding. He will do way more than you actually needed. He will show up and he will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. With our anxiety, it does not have the final word. And with depression and sadness, if that's not your game, bitterness and gossip, a propensity to always be negative, that covers all of us. Love you in Christ, but it covers all of us. <laughs> that does not have the final word. And so cling to these promises. I don't think he's near. He's near. I don't think he hears me. He hears you. I don't think he's really walking with me in this. He's walking with you. Man, I just, I don't see how he's, he's, he's working. I'm just so weak. How, how can he use me? He not only uses you, it's an opportunity for him to display how great he is. And you can actually be grateful now when it doesn't make sense and even when you don't see it. Because you open up your heart and say, God, I can't do it. You know what that does? That says to God, that's, that's kind of his, we don't tell him what to do, but it's kind of his cue. They're ready for me to work. They're for, for finally at the end of themselves. I want you to bow your head for a second. I want you to pray two things as we close tonight. The first is, as I glance through these promises again, is I want you to resonate and to, to just find in, in, your, in your heart and in your mind which one of these promises resonated with you the most. 
one truth that we said is joy is not ultimately dependent upon our depressing circumstances. We said depression is an opportunity to be close with God. God hears the depressed. He's walking with us in that valley. Depression is not stronger than the strength of God. Depression is greatly informed by a grateful heart. Please, uh, eyes closed, heads bowed, please. We said all that. So I want you to ask yourself, which one of those resonated with me and which one of those promises can I quietly just to myself say to God, God, I believe this promise tonight. I believe this promise tonight. The second thing I want you to do is I think there's some pain in your past that you haven't dealt with and maybe some depression and sadness, maybe something in the right now, maybe something that you may deal with in the future. And what I want you to do right now is if there's something that you've seen God redeem in the past, I want you to thank him for that. If there's something right now that you're not sure how he's going to redeem, I want you to thank him that he's going to eventually show you that and work in the chasm between where you are and where you want to be. And in the future, I want you to resolve to say, hey, I'm going to be looking. I'm going to be thankful for how God's going to work. So confess to God, man, what, what truth, what promise resonated most in your heart? And then thank him for the spaces that he fills with his glory, with his love, and his redemption. We'll give you a few minutes to do this, and then the band will lead us. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.